Hello all, how we doing out there? Team NXT CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 68 of the Undisputed Future Podcast, covering the September 12th edition of NXT television here, and admittedly, I'm a little bit behind on my recording schedule. It is about 11.15pm, Raw just wrapped up, and if I could just add a main roster note real quick, between the hellacious... Weekends, and I'm not just talking about my personal schedule, but the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view as well. These past couple days have been huge for former NXT champion Drew McIntyre between a successful tag team title defense as well as a big win over Dean Ambrose on Monday Night Raw. I really see big things for the Scottish Terminator up on Monday Night Raw so far with this alliance with Dolph Ziggler and as unnecessary as I may see it to be, this alliance with Braun Strowman as well. So shout out to Drew McIntyre, a former NXT champion, on all his recent accomplishments. Thank you for listening again. September 12th edition of NXT, huge night of returns, and I don't have much time. It's late, so let's jump right into it. We had the returning Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch tag team unfortunately taken out of commission after Oni Lorcan suffered a orbital bone injury during the Undisputed Era Tag Team Title Confrontation at Chicago 2. Unbelievable, hard-hitting affair, and hard-hitting is just up Oni Lorcan's alley, and rough, rough injury. We saw it with Brian Kendrick suffering it at the hands of Hideo Itami a little bit of time earlier this year, but Oni Lorcan able to bounce back the tough, brawling bruiser from Boston, able to team once again with Danny Burch. Danny Burch obviously continuing his dismay and aggression towards the Undisputed Era with Oni Lorcan's loss, so their history, I really don't believe it's fully over. Lorcan and Burch would take on the rising team of Cesar Bononi and Adrian Jode. Adrian Jode and Bononi both have had live circuit experience as a tag team thus far. Tainara Conchi, another fellow Brazilian, also added in the mix. I'm really, really aching to see where this Enwa stable goes, but early tag team action for Adrian and Cesar in a hard-hitting affair with the two bald bruisers. Jumping right into it, there was a really, you don't notice any lack, you, you don't notice a lack of aggression in Oni Lorcan, but you also don't notice any sort of ring rust. The guy is a veteran, he knows what he's out there to do, and Oni Lorcan not letting this injury really affect his movement and his pacing in the ring, I thought it was exceptional for a comeback match. Danny Burch obviously keeping the tandem and chemistry with his tag team partner. I'm sure right before their NXT television re-debuts, there was a lot of working together, even incorporating a couple new tools in their tandem offense. But I'm not going to sell the Brazilian tandem of the big Brazilian bombers short either. Adrian Jode and accomplished black belts across at least two or three different martial arts styles. I know he's a practitioner in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Hapkido as well. Cesar Bononi, a breakout star of the year for 2017. The guy has had a couple good matches on NXT television. I've seen him go one-on-one with Cassius Ono at a live circuit event. And Cesar, also one of the first early opponents for former NXT champion Aleister Black. So Bononi has been around NXT For quite some time, he's just really waiting to find his stride, and I really think a tandem tag team with a fellow Brazilian, and if this Tainara Conchi and Noir stable really pieces together, 
I think it could be the rise of stables within this time in WWE with the Forgotten Sons making their NXT television debut another team who is accomplished on the NXT live event circuit. So things are really starting to piece together what is the future of NXT television. Experience all around, even a very interesting note on the chemistry for Benoni and Jode. Say, uh, Nigel McGuinness actually brought this up, that Cesar and Adrian speaking Portuguese and providing a little bit of a language barrier for their opponents really makes it smart and really makes their strategy stay as covered as it possibly can throughout the matchup. So just a little bit interesting character note on this tag team, and I thought it was a very good and interesting point by Nigel McGuinness. But let's talk about the winners. Let's talk about the return for Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Oni Lorcan with that hot tag, that hot, hard-hitting tag that we've all clamored to see, hitting a double blockbuster on both Brazilians. Really good stuff by Oni Lorcan. More than happy to see him back on NXT television. Hot tag by Oni would lead to the elevated DDT for the 1-2-3. A 1-2-3 for the 1-2 punch, and Birch and Lorcan haven't missed a step, and they seem right back on track. NXT Tag Team title picture, lots of comeuppance right now. Street Profits, Heavy Machinery, The Mighty, formerly known as TM61, Birch and Lorcan, the Tag Team Champions Undisputed Era, The Vikings right on their tail with the War Raiders, the Forgotten Sons having a successful NXT television debut just recently mentioned them. There's a lot of hot action in the tag team division right now. I'm really hoping for some outside feuds that don't just focus on the NXT tag team titles. Obviously, the Undisputed Era has their hands full, but I'm hoping for some more. We have the Mighty and the Street Profits constantly back and forth. This new persona of the T- of formerly known TM61 definitely rubbing some people the wrong way in the tag team division. So lots of room for character change and lots of room for things outside of the titles. I'm just really waiting for some established rivalries going into NXT TakeOver War Games. Because War Games is heavily based on the tag team components. Who are we going to see represent War Raiders, War Games... That's kind of self-explanatory. They need a third man in this equation. Undisputed Era, I have a strange feeling that they'll be involved in the War Games match again. Assuming, and this is heavily assuming, that the NXT Tag Team titles will not be on the line at the next TakeOver. It's a big claim. Don't know if it's much for happening, but Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish at the time did have success at the first TakeOver War Games event. So Undisputed Era, wanting to replicate that success, I can definitely see it happening at some point. But Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch are the present, their return, they're more than happy to see them back on NXT television. They're simple guys with a hard-hitting premise, hard workers, uh, arguably the two workhorse veterans of NXT right now. Taking out the knockout artist Cassius Ono, not many people have more experience between the ropes than Danny Burch does, and Oni Lorcan just behind him, really hoping for some big things out of this tag team, and a re-debut, a return, and a big victory over a rising team like Adrian Jode and Cesar Bernani, really says some great things all around. I was very, very satisfied with that match. One thing some of us might not be satisfied with, though, is Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT champion, 
getting a new entrance theme. This theme was announced ahead of time. Really simple message behind it. He wanted to drown out the opinions of us. And understandably so. Disdained by the audience has been Tommaso Ciampa's NXT theme. It's been a it's been a recurring theme. It's been something I look forward to every single time he has a matchup. I was even able to sing in that theme song during NXT TakeOver Broken 4. And I couldn't be happier. It included all of the hits. Like Asshole, Fuck You Champa, You Suck, just just a litany of NXT fan favorites. But I like this new theme. It's hard hitting, it's simple, it's it's another CFOS hit. I'm not gonna say it sounds like anything I haven't already heard before, but I think it's very suiting for the NXT champion. And the NXT champion would not stop there. Tommaso Ciampa cutting his first live appearance promo for a number, a number of weeks, certainly going as far back as August and Brooklyn. Tommaso Ciampa not appearing on NXT television, cutting these backstage vignettes, saying how he's doing things on his time and in his moments, if you will. Anything has to do with Tommaso Ciampa taking his one moment. And this was one moment that we all had to bear witness to. Tommaso Ciampa still holding that NXT title on his shoulder. And even having a couple brief conversations with the title, which I'm not sure if the mental instability has exactly been incorporated into Tommaso Ciampa's character yet. But this obsessive, 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 personality he has with this championship can definitely draw some eyes onto the, well, maybe it's not just the sick and vengeance part of Tommaso Ciampa that's mentally ill. Maybe there's actually something going on above his shoulders that we just, we just can't comprehend as fans. I didn't do it for you. I do things for all of you to witness my moments. The self-absorbed Tommaso Ciampa, definitely not short of any reminders that he is the champion. He had all of the intentions of taking out Aleister Black. This is where the promo really picked up, people. He had all of the intentions of taking out Aleister Black prior to TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Maybe knockout the triple threat match was in his playhouse all along. But somebody beat him to it. Tommaso Ciampa obviously pushing himself away from being a suspect, but not without giving props to the attacker. Very progressive view from the NXT champion, and this is all the credit I will give Tommaso Ciampa during this segment, but he really had to thank him or her. Or her. Knowing Nikki Cross's absolutely out-there behavior and her being such a key figure in all of this, the him or her segment statements rather from Tommaso Ciampa, really big things and could really, really open up many more doors as to who is a prime suspect and who attacked Aleister Black. But despite all of this, no matter if Aleister Black was healthy or not, Brooklyn would have ended the same exact way. Tommaso Ciampa vowed that he would walk in and walk out of Brooklyn with that NXT title And that NXT title, conversing with him, as I just mentioned, 
saying how nice it was to be main eventing a takeover again. And on top of that progressive statement, you gotta give it to Champa here as well. The takeover main event being an NXT title matchup again really meant something. Obviously meant a whole lot to the championship itself, but that spotlight on the championship once again for us as fans and it not being a transitional match into another Gargano and Champa match, it's kind of... You, you can't have one without the other. You can't have Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa without the title and still main events a third pay-per-view in a row. It just, just in my opinion, I really think that having a third consistent pay-per-view where the title wasn't the main events, I don't think it says exactly the biggest things for the state of the NXT Championship. At the moment, we know how much importance the title had when it was around the shoulder of Aleister Black, but we know of the importance that the DIY broken rivalry has and the significance of not just NXT, but the world of professional wrestling. I think it's the best thing going, but if you didn't think I thought it was the best thing going, you probably wouldn't be listening to this show. If I don't think that the hottest rivalry in NXT is the best rivalry in professional wrestling, what am I sitting here doing an NXT podcast for? But all things aside, Tommaso Ciampa looks at himself as the greatest success story in NXT. The message to everyone taking away from this segment is that to be a winner, follow the lead of Tommaso Ciampa. And if you want to follow that lead, there's not all bad things beside it. Tommaso Ciampa, you look at the big picture with him, he tore his ACL during an NXT title champion, tag team title championship matchup against the Authors of Pain. A brutal knee injury, and he still finished the match. He still went on to be a catalyst for this rivalry with that post-match assault. He still went on to recover successfully and win the NXT title. By hook, by crook, with Johnny Gargano's involvement, you take any of the semantics and the arguments about it, you really can't cut the work ethic of Tommaso Ciampa short as a person. As a role model, and as somebody to follow their lead, by the word for word and action for action, that's a little bit of uh, disputable advice, for lack of a more extreme word. It's a disputable piece of advice but the guy has a lot of work ethic, and he is the NXT champion, and right now everybody is forced to follow the lead of Tommaso Ciampa. Hey, it's hard to do a solo show sometimes when you got to talk out of both sides of your mouth, and you got to see all the good points that the champion is making, as well as for what he really is, and all the negativity that surrounds this reign of Tommaso Ciampa, and all the disdain that surrounds Quite frankly, Johnny Gargano at this point. Johnny Gargano not having the friendliest relationship with the NXT universe at this point either. But I will get a chance to talk about Johnny Gargano, hopefully at some point soon. Johnny Wrestling obviously still distraught, not just by the NXT Championship loss and the last man standing, but unable to get the job done against Velveteen Dream last week. What is next for Johnny Wrestling? What's next for the championship title defense? A lot of things picking up in the world of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. But lots picking up in the world of women's wrestling as well, not just with the WWE Evolution pay-per-view coming up, but with Shayna Baszler 
on this absolute warpath. Shayna Baszler in action tonight versus Violet Payne. Violet Payne, an impressive-looking talents if you uh if you get my drift there but violet pain would be subject to some violent pain at the hands of the former NXT women's champion Shayna Baszler Shayna Baszler on an absolute warpath since Brooklyn and the unfortunate loss to Kyrie saying that Kyrie able to pull one over on the queen of spades and walk out of Brooklyn with her treasure with that NXT Women's Championship, and Shayna was making the first woman to come across her absolutely pay for it. Shayna would take down Violet, and it would just be all game over from here. All of the greatest hits from Shayna Baszler, and not such a great hit if you're Dakota Kai. The all-too-familiar arm manipulation by Shayna Baszler, really uncomfortable to watch. That familiar stomp that we know of the Dakota Kai injury... All of the brutal, brutal manipulation. It was it was absolute destruction to Violet Payne. Payne would tap out, but Shayna would be in this Kirafuda clutch for the long haul. Not breaking it after the initial tap. Not breaking it for several seconds after that. And the moment of glory and winning the matchup would not be enough for Shayna Baszler. A post-match assault what seemed like never-ending chokes happening to this poor, unfortunate soul of Violet Payne. Shayna is on a warpath. All of the NXT women's division should still be unnoticed. Just because she's not champion anymore, you really can't doubt that Shayna Baszler is still the top of the food chain when it comes to aggression in this division. A major, major statement saying that she still runs things in this NXT women's division. And I'm fine with it. I'm actually fine with this Shayna Baszler direction right now. I think Shayna is in a position for her rematch clause. I think Kyrie Sane as one of the biggest biggest talents, not just with her fame from Japan, but the popularity that she has developed here in NXT. I think having a Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane match at Evolution makes total sense. The NXT Women's Championship already officially made known that it will be defended at this event. Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane, a repetition from the initial May Young Classic finals, the inaugural tournament had these two women in the finals. So I think having the same exact events finals taking place there once again ends having a rematch from the tournament's first finals, but also incorporating a championship element into it. That's that's kind of a story that tells itself. I just laid it out for you. I'm really hoping that that's what pieces together come WWE Evolution. I want to see Baszler and Sane go at it at least one more time. Huge upcoming month for women's wrestling. If anybody out there will be attending the WWE Evolution pay-per-view in Long Island, please let me know. I'll be there myself. Shout out to anybody also joining me in the first ever women's pay-per-view. Shifting away from women's action just for now, let's talk about some tag team action first. A untimely confrontation with one of the most popular tag teams in NXT. I'm talking, of course, about Tucker Knight 
and Otis Dozovic in Heavy Machinery. Heavy Machinery playing key witnesses in the Who Attacked Aleister Black story. Heavy Machinery, with their video evidence, able to guide William Regal just a little bit. Otis Dozovic confessing to some other crimes, maybe a crime against humanity, depending on what he did to that performance center toilet. I sit here wondering, wondering, but not too much exactly what uh, what that situation might have looked like. But somebody who did not appreciate some accusations heading their way is the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa confronting heavy machinery and these accusations. But after these accusations, the big men are not backing down. More specifically, Otis Dozovic says, let's get it on. Otis Dozovic says, tomato chips, I'm coming. Tomato chips, tomato chips. I, I don't I don't know what Dozy called Tommaso Ciampa, but the pronunciation made me laugh. I, I tried to jot it down here in my notes, and I spelled out tomato chips. I don't know if it was the exact translation, but Dozovic ends... Champa having a matchup, it's it's an interesting angle. I like it. Otis Dozovic, full of charisma. Absolutely full of charisma. One of the most infectious acts when it comes to his in-ring ability. The caterpillar worm always gets a pop. Just the, the macho man-like tendencies that he has. You know where his inspiration comes from. Inspiration obviously coming from one of the best performers in all of the WWE's history. Dozovic taking notes in his delivery. He says he's coming for the champion. Hopefully, we see this singles matchup take place sometime soon. But we can't hear from just that tag team. We will also hear from the tag team champions, the Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era with one of their famous NWO-esque promos. I, I love what they do with these things. Just the whole faction gathered together Gold to behold, Dusty Cup in hands, although it's much smaller trophy than most of us can seem to remember. And the Undisputed Era just kind of standing around. It's it's like they're it's it's like water cooler talk. It it feels so genuine watching these backstage promos because it feels like just when you're sitting around talking shit about other people with your boys. That's that's kind of what they're doing here. But I feel like they're talking down to the wrong person persons, people. Vikings, they're talking down to the wrong Raiders. The War Raiders still still taking not just myself, but also some other members of the NXT universe some time to adapt this nickname. You heard me before. I keep calling the mighty TM61. A lot of you out there still call the War Raiders War Machine. And trust me, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm still doing it myself. Undisputed Era talking down to the War Raider aesthetic and seems to be taking some issue with uh, with the look here. It's it's apparently not time appropriate. It's 2018. Some guys should just not be dressing like old school marauders ready to rape and pillage any NXT division here. I don't know. Roderick Strong making all these points as well as his influence on how exactly he raises a winner. Now, we haven't heard Marina Shafir's take on all of this, but Roderick Strong obviously incorporating some real tough love when it comes to raising Troy. And uh, again, we only know Roddy's side of this. Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke yet to make 
their NXT television debuts. Maybe if anybody out there can get me a statement on how she personally likes to run the parenting side of things because you'll always hear more from the mother than you will from the dad. But before this becomes a parenting class podcast, Adam Cole has a very strict interest in the upcoming champion versus champion title match between Ricochet and the bruiserweight Pete Dunne. Adam Cole, oh, I don't know if anybody back there is able to hear it, but there's some thunder coming in on my feed here. I might have to, uh, I might have to take a pause during this segment here, Team NXT. Uh, all right, I'm gonna try and least, I'm gonna try and least break through this. Adam Cole has eyes, and quite frankly, Adam Cole Invitational is what he's deemed this match because the winner of this one will obviously be the next target of Adam Cole, baby. And Adam Cole vows that he will not go very long without more gold around his shoulder and to bring another title back. Or for the very first time, Adam Cole could be the very first North American representative to hold the WWE United Kingdom Championship. So the Adam Cole Invitational next week, champion versus champion next week, Pete Dunne versus Ricochet in what I'm sure is going to be a NXT match of the year candidate, not just with the two pieces of gold on the line, but with the two unbelievable talents, each representing their respective titles. Alright, just a little bit of a disclaimer on this next segment, Team NXT. It has started raining and it has started storming here just a little bit, so I apologize for any thunder that may be picked up in the feed. I'm going to try my best to talk over it. Alright, now segueing back into the next segment. I am sure that Pete Dunne versus Ricochet will be a tightly contested contest, but something I did not expect to be as closely competed as it was, was this next match on NXT, Lars Sullivan, the Leviathan, takes on Raul Mendoza. Raul Mendoza taking on Lars is what we'd all see as a one-sided affair. Lars Sullivan getting the beatdown on EC3 and taking out Mendoza last week. Raul Mendoza getting just the slightest bit of redemption at the larger opponents. And the former Cruiserweight competitor, Cruiserweight Classic competitor, he was not backing down. He wanted this retribution. It was a really quick start for Raul Mendoza. Mendoza obviously using his speed advantage and evasive maneuvering to try and combat the larger opponent. Very smart strategy by by Mendoza. Keep moving. Don't get caught in Lars Sullivan strikes. And unfortunately, it was a quick start, but a sudden stop for Mendoza. Just heaving. The smaller opponent was Lars Sullivan. Just just impeccable power. And these the size of his hands could crush Mendoza's skull like a grape, to be quite honest with you. Mendoza able to rebuild just the slightest bit of ground in the match, which it was surprising. It really was surprising. I mentioned it was not supposed to be, in my perspective, as closely competed as a contest as it was. The time limit on this match was actually surprising. Mendoza with the great showing, Lars on top of his NXT title match with Aleister Black, proving that he can go the proving that he can go the distance when it comes to a longer matchup. 
man, I'm I really need to try and find a quiet studio, quieter studio space. That thunder shock just well, it 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 sent a shock to my system. That is for damn sure. But let's get to the conclusion of this one. I'm not going to try and flood you guys with too much poor audio quality. Freak accident would seal the deal for Lars Sullivan. Lars already said himself that he wasn't Aleister Black's attacker, and he had all the intentions of doing it as well. So Tommaso Ciampa and Lars Sullivan, two of my top suspects, already seemingly outed as potential as potential culprits for this Aleister Black attack. So right now, I feel like, as far as my perspective goes, the field is wide open to who attacked the former NXT champion. Drifting over and back to a champion here in NXT, Pete Dunne says his mind is focused and he takes, well, he wants to take away two titles and figure out how to incorporate not just one strap, but two straps and a mouth guard at the same time. I don't know how Pete Dunne's jaw isn't constantly sore or what goes on the Bruiserweight's mind, but two titles and a mouth guard, that's a lot of, that's a lot of baggage for Pete Dunne to process. Cannot wait for this matchup. And neither can Ricochet. Pete Dunne has argued that he is the longest champion currently in WWE versus a guy who's been champion for merely five minutes. Ricochet says Pete Dunne should know about his high-pressure past, not just here in NXT, but all over the world when it comes to professional wrestling. It's not about how long you've been champion, it's about the quality of the champion. And Ricochet is out to prove that he is one of the most qualified champions to be a part of WWE right now. Just another hurdle for the one and only, but can the one and only walk out next week with a matter of two titles? Pete Dunne versus Ricochet, I mentioned it several times on this cast Pete Dunn versus Ricochet, champion versus champion. The Adam Cole Invitational takes place next week. Maybe I could stop talking about this match for the rest of the show. I'm, I'm so excited for this one. Cannot wait to see the North American champion and the WWE United Kingdom champion collide. I mentioned them a little bit before, and I just want to gloss over this promo. The Forgotten Sons getting a video vignette. They are twisted, they are outcasts, but they are not alone. They are riding through this world together. A little bit of Sons of Anarchy vibe I really get from these guys, and I am an avid fan of that show. I'm sure that at least Steve Culler, Wesley Blake, or Chad Ale- I'm Jackson Riker. Sorry, I'm still kind of in a... I mentioned, I mentioned all my old name, old name quirks before, right? Jackson Riker, formerly known as Chad Ale, Wesley Blake, and Steve Cutler make up the Forgotten Sons, but they are forgotten no more. With a victory sealed over the Street Profits by hook or by crook, the Forgotten Sons are undefeated right now on NXT television, and that, the video promo, it really was, it was visually intriguing, it was something to get you hyped on this debuting, recently debuting tag team Really gets you familiar, really gives you some character backgrounds, and uh, I'm looking forward to more appearances from them, and if they could give us vignettes week to week as good as this one, 
there's a lot to look forward to and a lot of promise when it comes to this stable known as the Forgotten Sons. Shifting just back into women's action before our NXT women's main event, a little bit of a confrontation with Dakota Kai, Deanna Perazzo, and Aaliyah, and Lacey Evans. Four really reputable names on the rise here in NXT women's action. And after what looked like a confrontation in catering or some outside facility, not in the, not, it didn't look like the performance center. It could have been maybe on the outskirts of the performance center workout area. It could have been in one of the more collegiate looking areas of Full Sail University. But regardless, Dakota Kai, Deanna Perazzo versus Aaliyah and Lacey Evans will take place, I believe, next week. I'm not sure if we got confirmation on that, but I believe that there will be a tag team match between these ladies next week. Going back to the Aleister Black suspect confrontation, Cassius Ono confronts William Regal about not being confronted. Cassius Ono kind of seems insulted that he wasn't a suspect. William Regal, of course, making the case that Kyrie Sane, possibly also Candice LeRae, had given him just enough of an alibi that he needed to not be considered a suspect in this attack. But Cassius making it known to William Regal the same way he's been making it known to all of us. That any of the next big things, any of the next incoming talents for Any of the next shiny toys, as he put it, coming into NXT, he will be right there to take care of the next big thing. And a little bit of an ominous bro at the end? Some of you may know, I live on Staten Island. I hear the word bro and probably even use the word bro every other word in in my dialect sometimes. And I've never really heard it used in an ominous tone before, but Cassius Ono really seeming to already take an issue with the incoming King of Rose, seen at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4's audience, Matt Riddle. We know of Matt Riddle's history on the independent scene, but it seems like his first confrontation in NXT could be with the knockout artist, Cassius Ono. I really kind of expected Cassius to take issue with Keith Lee before he takes issue with Matt Riddle, but it's, with with all fair assumption, I guess, it seems like a rivalry that Cassius is not built to win, whoa, but we'll, uh, yeah, that's another shock to my system here, Team NXT, hopefully you could hear me all over all of this, I'm, uh, my, my goal here is to get out the NXT discussion, any audio question, I'm, I'm just gonna sit here and apologize I really want you guys to get my thoughts and uh, above all else and I'm really going to try and find an effort to find a quieter studio space or find a better more significant way to silence any outside interference. Cassius Ono vows really subtly but not so subtly that Matt Riddle is next on his radar. Colin stop digging in the rug. The Velveteen Dog is uh, is taking issue with the weather right now here, guys. Anyway, main event time. Maybe I could get through this discussion without any thunderclaps. Bianca Belair, undefeated streak on the line 
when she takes on the psychotic sister of sanity, Nikki Cross. Before I even get into the matchup itself, white guys dancing to Bianca Belair's theme will always be funny. I'm one of those people, so I can make these kind of accusations. It will always be funny. It's a bop. I hope I'm using that word in context correctly. Bianca Belair has a killer theme. She's got a killer record right now on NXT television and has a lot of the support of the NXT audience. Lots of EST chants to be heard this evening. Nikki Cross, Crazy Cross, with Calamity on her mind as well as Secrets. I mentioned it a little bit before. Nikki Cross seems to be a key suspect with not a whole lot of straight answers for William Regal regarding the Aleister Black parking lot attack. But Crazy Cross, Crazy Cross, she's impressed with Bianca Belair's fancy footwork. She, uh, <laughs> she had a little bit of the psychological edge, but there's, there's not much, you don't have a little bit of an edge on Nikki Cross mentally. You don't know how to combat such an unpredictable opponent. But Bianca Belair certainly did her best. Belair would take it to Cross using her strengths, which quite frankly just so happens to be her strength. Bianca Belair is one of the most strong, strong guests, I guess I have to say. Any EST adjective I can throw in there when discussing Bianca Belair is always accepted. So the strong guest woman Maybe not just on NXT, but pound for pound, possibly in the entire WWE Women's Division. But Belair would be too confident for her own good sometimes, and Crazy Cross would mount a psychotic comeback. Just just the frantic style of Nikki Cross would really throw off the game of somebody who was a more traditional athlete like Bianca Belair. The Who is Bianca Belair? Vignette really, really highlighted her strengths as a collegiate track and fields and so on and so forth. More of the traditional sports packages as an athlete for Bianca Belair. So this this calamity and this craziness that comes from Cross on the offensive side could really take many an opponent by surprise. <laughs> and speaking of something that would take you by surprise, it would definitely be a sort of piggybacking maneuver, almost going for a sleeper hold here on the outside by Nikki Cross, but Bianca Belair would slam down on the ramp, leading to a double countout and no contest. Anything you can do to really, really technically and on paper protect the undefeated streak of Bianca Belair, it's welcome in my book. Having an undefeated streak gimmick in the NXT Women's Division is something not seen since the undefeated Empress Asuka, and if she's not getting win through the sheer dominance that Asuka did, if Bianca Belair could continue to point out, well, you didn't necessarily beat me, and well, you didn't really pin me, and I really didn't lose that matchup, nobody happens to win. I think it gives Bianca Belair some things to talk about and things to work with and also add just a little bit more of a cockiness angle to the EST's persona. Bodies would strew all over the ring, and I mentioned Asuka before. Asuka having a 
great last women's standing match with Nikki Cross a little bit back when. And the post-match, post-match assaults on both sides for each of these women would really draw reminiscence to that. The show would close here with a Nikki Cross body off the announce table, shocking Mauro Ronaldo, shocking Full Sail University, and shocking a whole lot of us here at home. Both ladies would be laid out for way more than just the 10 counts that they suffered in the middle of this matchup. Crazy cross body, the rivalry surrounding Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross. I don't think it's over. Earlier in the show, I said I wanted to see some tag team rivalries not focused on the title. The women's action in NXT does this consistently well. We had rivalries not surrounding the title before. Dakota Kai and Shayna Baszler, I don't know if I could count that as history quite yet or an ongoing rivalry, but that's one that stands out to my mind in recent history. Lacey Evans and Kyrie Sane just having a back and forth series of matches did good for the now NXT Women's Champion and really raised the stock for Lacey Evans in the current landscape of NXT Women's Action as well. Nikki Cross is presumably on her last ropes here in NXT, or at least I sure as hell hope so, because she needs to join her brothers-in-arms of sanity on SmackDown Live. So if Nikki Cross could leave on such a high note as putting Bianca Belair in a prime position to succeed, as well as maintaining Nikki Cross's own personal stock when she goes up to the main roster, I really think there's two major talents with some big things coming in their future, especially as we roll towards WWE Evolution. I could see either one of these two women. If NXT gets a showcase opportunity at this event, I think Nikki Cross and Bianca Belair are two prime candidates to have a singles match to do so. Great ending to this match though. Nikki Cross body off the announce table, laying out both women to even further emphasize this no contest. And I think that's been substantial time for me. Just a quick quick couple of announcements here. The Wrestling Podcast Awards. I really wish I had more specific on how the voting process is going to go, but there's tons and tons of shows, great categories out there. But if you really want to support yours truly, number one, thank you for listening. I, I couldn't be sitting here doing this without you guys. So that's number one. Thank you so much for giving me the support. As soon as I figure out a way to formally vote, then I will definitely be posting it up primarily on the Twitter as far as social media goes, but I'll be sure to give you guys outreach any possible ways I can. Really great wrestling podcasts up on here. I'm not sure what what uh, categories I myself have been nominated for or by anybody else or anything that I really think I qualify for, but I think that Best Solo Podcast is a category. Best Predictions, Best Duo, Best Even Trio, as far as podcasts go, there's there's a ton of categories. It's a really great award. Thank you so much to the Wrestle Hub for really putting this thing together. The, the, the work does not go unnoticed, and major shout out to anybody out there listening who also has their own podcast brands. I support all you guys. I've given at least a couple clicks, and uh, as I hope that I'm doing for a lot of my listeners, you guys have certainly made my commute to and from work or out and about in the supermarket a whole lot of a more joyous experience. 
I can't go anywhere without some wrestling discussion, and I have a lot of good people out there to thank, but I especially have you guys to thank for listening to the Undisputed Future Podcast. This has been episode 68. I'm going to try and wrap things up before the next thunderclap happens. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. That's where you'll find a primary my primary source of all my coverage, whether it be live tweeting NXT, spoiler free, live tweeting Raw, live tweeting SmackDown, giving a whole lot of my announcements, posting the links to where the show can be found. It's all up there on the Twitter. And thank you so much for over 1,200 followers. Just over a year with the show. It's not a standing in social media. I thought I'd be able to achieve. So thank you all so much for supporting this solo act. At Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word is the Instagram. Be sure to check out the Instagram, not just for the pictures of the Velveteen Dog, Colin, but also some major announcements coming up, maybe a show I feel like I'm attending, maybe just some interesting wrestling memes that I happen to be coming across. Um, It's all right there for you on the Instagram. Be sure to like me on Facebook. I'm trying to pick up the Facebook interaction as well. I know a couple of people have reached out to me on there via messages. I know there's a couple of things I have to get back to, but thank you guys so much for the likes and for reaching out on there as well. And if you're listening to me on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, CastBox.fm, Stitcher, any of those third-party sites that can take from my RSS feed, but I'm not formally aware of their existence. Either way, no matter how you're listening to me, I could not be doing this without your support. There's no motivation without seeing the results from all of my hard work, and I cannot thank you guys enough for taking time out of your day to share this NXT discussion with me. Once again, CD, Danny Mac here, the voice that is your choice, for NXT discussion. Thanking you for joining me again on episode 68. Don't forget to stay tuned for episode 69. Yes, that's me and Kevin Malone from The Office's favorite number, where we have Lacey Evans and Aaliyah taking on Dakota Kai and Dion Perazzo, as well as the champion versus champion match, Ricochet versus Pete Dunne for the North American and United Kingdom Championships and I'll be right here to discuss it all. Thank you so much, Team NXT. Have a great week, and I will talk to you next time.